This morning, we continue with uh, the tail end of the book of Genesis. We have been studying the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. We studied four great events, the creation, the fall, the flood, and the birth of the nations. And then we've studied four great people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and we're at the tail end of studying the life of Joseph. Now, if you look at this, Abraham, he was the pioneer. He's the father and patriarch of faith. So he was the pioneering faith. He left his comfort zone and simply blindly obeyed God. When he was called, God told him, uproot your family, take everything, and go to this land. I will yet show you. So he didn't know where he was going. So why did he go? Because he trusted God. He had a son. His name was Isaac. He had passive faith. He surrendered to his father. He entrusted his life to him. He was kind of passive. Isaac had a son. He had actually twins, Jacob and Esau. Ah, uh, no, Esau. Jacob, was, Jacob had a restless faith. He was always scheming. What can I do to speed things up? Let me help God. God might, know what he, might not know what he's doing, so let me intervene. And many times, when you and I intervene in God's plan, when you and I intervene in God's timing, what happens? The mess becomes messier. Yes? And then we have Joseph. His faith was tested time and time and time again. Now, if you're in the stock market, you will know this kind of graph. But this is basically the life of Joseph. He began as a favored son. He was betrayed as his brother he, by his brothers. He was sold as a slave. But then he was promoted to be a house manager in the household of Potiphar. And then he was falsely accused by the wife. And then he was imprisoned. And then he was promoted in jail. And then he was forgotten for two years. But after two years, guess what? He was promoted to become the prime minister of Egypt. We picked it up from all of this since Genesis. We have been studying what true blessing is really all about. God's promises, God's done way, God done God's ways in God's time will always result in God's best. The moment you mess this formula up, you will not receive God's best. You may think that you have God's best. But once you mess up on this, the probability of you not getting God's best is extremely high. We picked it up last two weeks ago because last week, what did we celebrate? Fourth of July, Independence, U.S. Independence Day. So we skipped that week. But review, Genesis 46. Background. Joseph was placed in a position, prime minister of Egypt. Why? Why did God allow this? You saw the chart? God put him in that position because there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. 
The seven years of plenty have passed. Now there are seven years of famine. And by God's design, the rest of Joseph's family, including his father Jacob, now called Israel, was in need of food. There was a famine. So, Jacob sent his other children to go to Egypt. Why Egypt? Because in Egypt, there was lots of grain. There was lots of food. And there, Joseph introduced himself to his brothers. I am Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. His perspective towards his brothers was that God sent me to go before you so that God will preserve a remnant of the household of Jacob. Why? Because God promised to Abraham hundreds of years before. Abraham, you will be a father of a great nation. Your clan will go all over the world and through your seed all nations will be blessed. If God did not intervene in the famine, Jacob's family would be wiped out. And if Jacob's family was wiped out, how could the promise of God be fulfilled? So God sent Jacob ahead to preserve the remnant. Now, Jacob called for his father and the rest of his family members to come to Egypt. And then he told his brothers, you are going to go before Pharaoh. I'm going to give you the script. What is the script? Genesis 46, 33, 34. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants are keepers of livestock from our youth even until now. Both we and our fathers that you may live in the land of Goshen for every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptians. So in short, what did Joseph tell them to do? Were they keepers of livestock? Yes. Were they shepherds? Yes. What do you do in a buffet? You pick. You choose. That's why in the Philippines, what? Point, point. Nasa US na tayo. Turo, turo. So, instead of saying the whole truth, we are keepers of livestock and we are also shepherds. What did Joseph tell his brothers to say? Tell Pharaoh that you are keepers of livestock. Why? So that you can live in the land of Goshen, the good land. Why? Because shepherds are loathsome to the Egyptians. Abraham did the same thing. You see the dysfunction that was passed on from generation to generation? Sarah, my wife, when we come into Egypt, because you are beautiful, tell them you are my sister. Because if you tell them that you are my wife, they're going to kill me so that they can get you. So tell them you are my sister. Was that 100% true? What is 100% true? Sarah was both his sister and his wife. During that time, they, they begat other children with other, you know? So, 
both were true. Just like here now, their keepers of livestock and their shepherds just omit the other parts. We don't want to get in trouble. So even if you are keepers of livestock and you are shepherds, don't say you're shepherds. Just say you're keepers of livestock. Get the idea? So the prince of Egypt, the number two in command, is telling you, this is the script. This is what you're going to do, okay? So what did the brothers do? When Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? They said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds. When you tell somebody, you know, this is the script, you're, you're in the background, you know, you give them like Q, right? And then, when they say, we're shepherds. <laughs> Why did you say shepherds? I already told you keepers of livestock. But what happened? Pharaoh said to Joseph, your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt, it is at your disposal. Settle your father, your brothers, in the best of the land. Let them live in the land of Goshen. And if you know any capable men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Not only were they blessed to live in the best part of the land, they also got jobs. How can you outgive God? You are given the best land in Egypt. And not only that, you get to have a job. That's why that message I entitled, Honesty is still the best policy. Because prior to this, we have honesty is the blessed policy. So like part two, honesty is still the blessed policy. Why? Because the king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. So we must be 100% honest. For us to be able to see the blessing of God, we must be 100% honest with God. Honest with God, honest with ourselves, honest with the people around us. You see, God's blessings really begin from God. You believe in God. You take His word by faith. And if you really believe, you will obey. To say you believe and not to do anything about it, my friends, I'm telling you, you have not yet believed. Josephine is going for surgery on Tuesday. Some of us have other ailments. You go to your doctor. He gives you a prescription. You go to the drugstore. You buy the medication, but you don't drink it. Do you believe? You don't really believe. Until you really take the medicine. That is the proof of your faith. Faith without action is dead faith. James says. So this morning we will continue. We will continue. And I challenge you from that message that God and God's word has authority over everyone and everything. You get it? God and God's word has authority, supreme over authority over everyone and everything. And I shared with you, government over its citizens, husbands over the wife, parents over their children, employers over their employees, and pastors over their congregation. But ultimately, all authority comes from God. 
and we know it by His Word. Now, this morning, I want to continue with the latter part of chapter 47. I don't know about you, but when I go home from work, I like to listen to AM 710, ESPN Sports Channel. Some part in the radio program, they have a game. Some games are called the birthday game. Another game is called over, under. Those of you who play golf, you know this. Not necessarily as the game, but this is how you score. How much over par are you or how much under par are you? In that radio program, they, ha they play a song. When they play the song, the contestants, two of them, will, oh, that is uh, a song by so-and-so. So you will guess the artist. After you get guess the artist, okay, over or under? The artist is 54 years old. Over or under? That's how they play the game. And then one of them will guess, no, the age is 55, so it's over. You chose under. All right, it's a very simple game. Now this morning, I want to use this as an analogy to look at Genesis chapter 47 from thir chap verse 13 all the way down to the end. But before we continue, why don't we offer this time to the Lord? God Almighty, we thank you that we can worship you in freedom. Thank you, Lord, that we can open the Bible to read, to discuss, to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for these freedoms that we have that have been bought and paid for by our military personnel. But most important, Lord God, we thank you for the freedom that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ. Because he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Father, we commit this time to you, Lord God. Override my preparation and let your people only hear what you want them to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what's the title of the message today? Over, under. We start with over. Why over? Here we go. Now there was no food in all the land because the famine was very severe. So that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. So did the prophecy come true? That there's a famine? Yes. How many years was the famine, if you remember? Total of seven. And Joseph encountered his brothers when there were still five more years of famine to go. So in the second year of the seven-year famine, that was the time that Joseph was reunited with his family. All right? Now, the famine was so severe, not only in Egypt, but also in the land of Canaan, where Jacob's family lived. Joseph gathered all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. So, you need grain? Where are you going to go? Egypt. What do you need to buy grain? Money. What happened? Joseph gathered all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan. How? For the grain which they bought. And what did Joseph do? Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Do you see the faithfulness of Joseph? You are the prince of Egypt. Pharaoh has so much confidence in you that you are at liberty to do whatever it is you want to do. 
Agree? Now, if you're in Joseph's position, this was my idea. I think I deserve something. Commission fellowship. I think I need commission. Not Joseph. He was faithful to God. He was faithful to Pharaoh. He did not betray the trust that Pharaoh gave to him. He gave everything, all the money that he acquired from selling the grain, he gave into Pharaoh's house. You, do you like such a man to work for you? You can fully trust this person. You have no doubt about this person. Such was the character of Joseph. Because of the testing, the hot and the cold portions of his life that God allowed him to go through, he became so faithful. He became wise. So you sold, sell the grain, get all the money, give it to Pharaoh. Verse 15, when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us food. For why should we die in your presence? Our money is gone. No more money. Right? What did they do with all their money? They spent all their money to buy grain so that they could continue to live. Verse 16, Joseph said, Give up your livestock. Give up your livestock. And I what? I will give you food for your livestock since your money is gone. Hmm. No more money. What do you have? I have livestock. Barter. No barter? Exchange. Give me your livestock. I will give you grain. Give me your livestock. I will give you food. Why do you need food? Because you want to live. Right? Why do you work? So that you can earn money. So what? You can buy food. So what? So that you can live. Right? So money's gone. I'll just give you my livestock. What happens? So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for horses and the flocks and the herds and the donkeys, and he fed them with the food in exchange for other livestock that year. So the exchange deal fell through, right? Joseph acquired herds, livestock, horses, donkeys in exchange for food that year. When the year was ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent, and the cattle are my Lord's. There is nothing left for my Lord except our bodies and our lands. Is the famine severe? Yes. Money is gone. All the livestock is gone. What's left? I'm all there is and my land. But I need to survive. I need to live. So what happens? Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food. And we, we and our land will be slaves to Pharaoh. So give us seed that we may live and not die, and the land may not be desolate. 
So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every Egyptian sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. Thus, the land became Pharaoh's. No money. No livestock. What is left? Will you just take me? Take my land. Now Pharaoh owns all the money. Now Pharaoh owns all the livestock. Now Pharaoh does the land became Pharaoh's. Who was the supervisor? Joseph. Pharaoh's household became so blessed because of Joseph. What else remains? As for the people, he removed them from the cities from one end of Egypt's border to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy. For the priests had an allotment from Pharaoh. Oh, okay pala yung mga priests. They don't have to live. Why? Pharaoh gave them an allotment. You are under the shelter, the provision, the protection of Pharaoh. So they did not have to buy, sell anything because they were provided for. Now, this is not the ordinary priest because Egyptians, they, their God was the sun. Okay? Not S-O-N. Not the son of God. S-U-N. Ra. The sun God. Alright? So they had also priests offering this and that. They were pagans. They don't believe in the same God of Joseph. But they were receiving the blessings from God through the faithfulness of Joseph. No money. No livestock, no more land. So only the priest hands up. Because they didn't need any they did not need anything they were provided for by Pharaoh. Therefore, they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have today brought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you may sow the land. At the harvest, you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own. For seed of the field, for your food, for those of your household, and as food for your little ones. Before they were owners, before they had land, before they had livestock, before they had grain, right? Now who owns everything? Pharaoh. What does Pharaoh own? The land, the livestock, the money, and if you did not catch it, buy us and our land for food. And we and our land will be what? Slaves to Pharaoh. You used to be an owner. Now you are willing to be a slave. Because the famine is so severe. You go to the one who can provide. You go to the one who can protect. You go to the one who can preserve you. But it costs them everything. Their money, their livestock, their land, and even themselves. They became slaves to Pharaoh. Now some of you in the farming community... 
if you've been raised in the farm, maybe even back in Manila, you are familiar maybe with this term. Sharecropper. What is a sharecropper? A tenant farmer, especially in the southern part of the states, you know, cotton pickers. You remember I shared with you the Civil War? Because the Confederate did not want to give up their slaves. The Union wanted the slaves to be free. How many people died? You remember? 850,000. More than the U.S. death toll in World War II. Sharecropper. A tenant farmer who is provided credit for seed, tools, living quarters, and food, who works the land, and who receives an agreed share of the value of the crop minus its charges. What happened? I give you food. I give you seed. I own everything. I give you this. You plant. You harvest. Off your harvest, how much? Give a fifth. What is one-fifth? 20%. You can pull out your calculators if you want to make sure. One-fifth is 20%. Of the 120%, of the 100%, you take away 20, that goes to Pharaoh. You keep the 80 for yourself. For what purpose? To eat, to continue to survive. Right? So from owners, you become slaves. Before you had money, livestock, and land. Before you were free. Now, you're subservient to Pharaoh. You work, but 20% of everything that you earn goes to Pharaoh. Their condition was very, very dire indeed. So they have said to Joseph, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Imagine what they had to go through, and at the end they would only become slaves of Pharaoh. Why? They did not know God. They were above the commandments of God. They were over. Because they were over, they could not experience the blessing of God. They lost everything. They became slaves. But look at their attitude. You have saved our lives. Sometimes you and I, when we are in dire situations, we always have at least two choices. Ask God, why? Or ask God, what? You can always ask God, why? Why is this happening? I haven't been faithful to you. Why are you allowing this? Or, in humility, you can ask God, God, what is it that you are trying to teach me? Is there a lesson for me here in this situation? It's your choice. You can even be over or under. Joseph made it a decree 
Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt that is valid to today, that Pharaoh should have a fifth. Only the land of the priest did not become Pharaoh's. So it was already institutionalized. Why did it happen? Because of the famine. Why was Joseph able to do this? Because he was, after his ups and downs in life, he was installed as the prince, the prime minister of Egypt. Now, there is another side to this. What is the message today? Over, under. June, you know this, over or under. I see you have your golf shirt. I have a feeling there's going to be an over, under again today. Now, over. Now, who is the under? Who is the under? Genesis 47. Israel, Jacob. Now Israel lived in the land of Egypt, in the land of Joseph. They acquired property in it. They were fruitful. They became numerous. Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. Hello? The Egyptians who are from Egypt, who used to have money and land and livestock and were free, are now desolate. They don't have anything else. And they are now slaves. Whereas, this guy Joseph and his entire family, who are strangers to the land, in the midst of the severe famine, what's going on? Acquired property. They were fruitful. They became numerous. If you have a famine, you have lots of problems, will you still think of having more babies? What will I feed? If, honey, if we have more kids, there's a famine, what, what am I going to feed the kids? What am I going to feed you? I can't even feed myself. But not... With Jacob and his family, they acquired property. They were fruitful. They became numerous. And how long did Jacob live in Egypt? Because when he was presented to Pharaoh, he, they had a small uh, discipleship meeting. So how old are you, Jacob? Oh, my life has been 130 years. And it's short compared to my forefathers. In my life is so many bad things happened to me. That was his first encounter. In Genesis 47, he's been there in Egypt for 17 years. This stranger in the land has been blessed with everything that he needs and more for these past 17 years. While the Egyptians themselves who used to own the land are in dire straits. Why? Because they were under the protection and the blessing of God. If Joseph did not call for them, where will they be? Probably wiped out. But because God sent Joseph ahead, Joseph was able to rescue them and bring them to the provision, protection, and prosperity in the land of Egypt, despite all the desolation happening around them. 
Why was Joseph so successful and blessed in all that he did? He did not go to Harvard Business School. He did not go to Texas A&M University where you study agriculture. Why? Why was Joseph so blessed in all that he did? Why? Because the Lord, Genesis 39, verse 2 and 3. Because the Lord was with Joseph. So he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him. And how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So why was Joseph successful? Why was Joseph blessed? Because of the presence of the Lord in his life. And he was so faithful to God that the pagans, the Egyptians, even Pharaoh saw that the Lord our God was with him. It's not that he studied. It's not that he's good. He has no abilities on his own. It was because of the favor of the Lord upon Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph and if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm letting you know and reminding you that in the book of Hebrews, he says, never will I leave you. Never ever will I forsake you. But many times we keep the presence of the Lord secret. Are you Christian? Yes. In the halata. Oh, because I'm a secret agent. I don't tell people because I'm embarrassed. You know, if you are faithful to God, God will reveal Himself to you and the people around you will know that God is with you. They will know. You don't have to say anything. They will know that God is with you. Why? The Lord was with Joseph. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. The master... The Egyptian master, the pagan master, saw that the Lord was with him. And how the Lord was the one causing Joseph to prosper in his hand. It is the Lord who will bless you. Many times when we want blessing, we want to what? We want to manipulate people. We want to manipulate circumstances so that we will get the blessing. Right? Trust God. Walk with God. And let Him show how you are blessed to other people. See, the Bible gives us a warning, especially when we become prosperous. In Deuteronomy 8:18, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you power to make wealth, that He may confirm His covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. See, many times when we are not careful and we become successful, we begin to take the credit. Wow, you got promoted. You know, I come to, I come to work early. I live late. 
you know, and I do this, I do that. That's why I got promoted. Who gets the credit? Yourself. That's why Moses reminded the people. This book of Deuteronomy, when they were already crossing into the land, okay, Moses reminded them, you are going to be successful. You are going to be prosperous because God promised I will bring you to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You will be blessed. You will be prosperous. Only don't forget that it is the Lord who is giving you the ability to produce wealth. It's the Lord. Why? Because God promised. God promised. So don't forget God. You and I must always be under the protection and provision of God. Why do I say this? Look at the Psalms. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. So, some of us are visual. What do you see? Raindrops. Right? What do you need to be protected from the rain? You need umbrella. Right? Those of you under the umbrella are protected from the rain. Yes? According to Psalm 121, who is your protection? God. Therefore, that umbrella is really God in God's Word. If you and I are under the protection of God's Word, we are protected from the rain. We are protected from the storms of life. Why? Because we choose to be under the protection of God and God's Word. Now, assuming you have an umbrella and then you step out, what will happen to you? You get wet. Because you stepped out of your protection. See, many times, oh, you read the Bible, I, I don't like this. God is very restrictive. God is like this. God is like that. He doesn't want me to enjoy. On the contrary, why did God give us His Word in this picture? It is for our protection. Do you believe that God wants to bless you? So if God wants to bless you, will He tell you things that are for your own good? Yes. If God tells you, you must do this, is that for your good? If God tells you, do not do this, is that for your good? But what do we like to do? A better, a better, a better. Why does God not now want me to do this? And then what happens? Because you step out, you get into all kinds of mess. God, huh? Oh. You blame God. Who stepped out? You. Why, why you blame God? 
You chose to step out of His protection. You chose to step out of His provision. So if you choose to be under God's protection, you will be blessed. You will succeed. Now, we don't look for the blessing. The blessing will come. Look for God's presence in your life. Don't look for the blessing. Okay? Now look at the promise. In Joshua, only be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. That's why we call it what? The straight and narrow path. Do not move to the right. Do not move to the left. Keep in the middle. Be in the center of God's will. Do not turn from it to the right or left, so that you may have what? Success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What is that? The Bible. But you shall what? Meditate on it day and night, so that you may what? Be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have success. There's no shortcut. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Puro ka trust. Wala kang mga obey. You don't really trust. This book of the law, your Bibles, shall be what? You shall meditate on it day and night. Not only Thursday when you have the group, not only Sunday when we have service and you can read the Bible over there. You shall meditate on God's Word day and night. And be what? Be careful to do some. All. Teaching them to obey all. So I will teach you to obey all. Right? Some of us, yellow marker. Oh, I love this verse. I love it. Husbands, love your wives. You are the wife. Oh, I love this. My husband will love this too. Wives, submit to your husbands. Black, black, black marker. Black. And further down, and the wife must respect the husband. Black, black, black. Oh, you do not know your husband also has black marker. Husband, love your wife. Ah. Right? Wife, submit to the husband. Pink, pink. Yeah. Mm, double, yellow, pa. Mm, huh? And then here, and the wife must respect. Green, yes. Obey all. Look at, look at the formula. Be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. Then you will be like this person. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaves does not wither, and, and in whatever he does, he prospers. If you have a chance to go to Egypt and then cross over to the Taba border, you will see the contrast. 
of those over the protection of God versus those who are under the protection of God. Egypt is basically a desert. The moment you cross, you will see date trees and greenery and shrubbery. When you go to Egypt, it's like iron ore. Dry, arid, very, very poor nation. But if you go to Israel, you will see the blessing. You will see the hand of God. Be like this man who delights in the Lord day and night. You want to be victorious? The Bible tells us. You want to run away from sin? You don't know how? Here's the answer. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. How do I know what displeases God? How do I know what pleases God? I have to go to His word. I cannot make things up. I'm going to do this because I think this is what God desires for me to do. I think this is what pleases God. Therefore, what if you're wrong? But if you have a basis, which is the word of God, then you say, oh, this pleases God my Savior. This is the kind of worship that God requires of me. A good life of worship. Not worship only on Sunday. But my life is a life of worship. It is a living sacrifice to the Lord. Not only that, the Bible says in Psalm 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You're walking in darkness. How do you know which way to go? You need a light. And what is that light? The light of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ. And His word that serves as a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's very important to be under. Jesus Christ even said, If anyone hears these words of mine and acts on them, he may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house. Yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. So if you are this person, you are like this family. You are under the protection of the Word of God and God Almighty. But there is a contrast. Jesus Christ also said this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. You will be like this lady. She has an umbrella, but she chooses to be outside of the umbrella. So when the torrents, the problems of life come falling down, what? It's like a house that builds its house on sand, very bad foundation. So what happens? It crashed with a big crash. Over, under. You see how the Egyptians who are outside lost everything. They became slaves in their own land. While Jacob and his family, who owned nothing, were blessed in a foreign land because they chose to be under God. What happened to Jacob? When the time for Israel to die drew near, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Please, 
If I have found favor in your sight, place now your right hand under my thigh and deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. Now, placing the right hand under the thigh is symbolic of a solemn oath to God. It is the same idea in Genesis 24. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his house, who had charged all that he owned, place your, right, place your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but you will go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. In their culture, placing the right hand under the thigh is a solemn oath. You usually only do this when it involves family matters. And as I'm looking at it, it's as if to say, because other translations, when you put the right hand under the thigh, it refers to the loins. And it goes back to the seed of Abraham. So you can even say that, son, this oath you're going to take is so very serious. It could cost the continuation of our legacy. So make sure that you keep it. That was how they... Op Here, nowadays, is what? You know when you take your oath of allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. Some of you experienced that. You know? I, I who have nothing. <laughs> Some of us in the court, you place your right hand, right? In the Bible. And then you raise. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. <coughs> Why are you talking about God? Separation of churches. That's what's happening now. Agree? Even, even your money. One of these days, we'll have to change the money. Why? Some people are suing the government. Why do you have in God we trust? I don't believe in God. Why are you forcing me to believe in God? You see? It's a mess. No wonder we are a mess. No wonder you have a, a former military guy there shooting the peace officers. Friends, what this country needs is the same need for all the countries around the world. All countries around the world should need to be under the word, authority, provision, and protection of God. You agree? No political change will be able to effect a grassroots, down deep, real, honest to goodness change. It is only a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't need politicians. We need God. And we are driving God out of everything that we have in this society. He said, place your right hand. And then, he said what? But when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. I will do as you said, he said. Swear to me. So he swore to him. Then Israel bowed in worship at the head of the bed. So what was the agreement? What was the oath? Joseph, you swear to me. When my time is come and I die, you will not bury me in Egypt. You will bury me in the land of my fathers. You will bury me in the promised land. He asked to be buried in the promised land if they were not, even if they were not yet in the promised land. All faithful men of the Bible st 
still died. Some of them were not faithful. Some of them were faithful. Some of them were semi-faithful. But all of them died. And at the end of Jacob's life, he asked his son, Promise me that you will bury me in the land of my fathers. Do not bury me in Egypt. Friends, all of us are going to die. And God has sent His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to completely pay for all of our sins so that in your lifetime, in my lifetime, I can tell my wife and my children when I die, I know I'm going to the land of my fathers. Are you sure? Are you sure that when the time comes, you will spend the rest of eternity with God, with Jesus, and all of the others who place their faith in Christ? Are you sure? Do you choose to live over the commandments of God? Or do you choose to live under the word of God? It's your choice. I have no power to convince and I do not want to convince. And this morning, we are celebrating the Lord's Supper as He has commanded to us. The Lord's Supper is just one of two ordinances given to us by the Lord that we should do over and over again. One is the Lord's table. The other one is baptism. This morning, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. As we're preparing the elements, I want you there to think. Ask yourself. Ask God. God, do I have a personal relationship with you? Have I ever completely placed my trust in Jesus Christ? If the answer to that question, my friend, is no, then now is the time. Don't wait for the last two minutes. You know why? You never know when your last two minutes are. If you already have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and your walk is not really under the authority of God, confess. God, I, I realize I've not been under you. Will you forgive me of your sin? What is God's promise? He will accept your, your confession. He will forgive you of your sin. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So with every head bowed between you and the Lord. Ask those two most, most important questions. And if you don't have a relationship with God yet, or you're not sure, the best thing I can recommend to you is be honest with God. Just tell God, by faith, God, I need your salvation. I humbly open the door of my heart, turn away from my sin, and accept your Son, Jesus Christ, into my heart and into my life. 
as my Savior and as my Lord. I ask you to change me from the inside out to make me the kind of new Christian that you want me to be. If you're here this morning and you want to recommit your life, you've trusted Jesus Christ, but you're not really living a life that is glorifying to the Lord, then in your own words, just talk to God. The elements are here in front. We have the bread and the juice. The Bible does not tell us or teach that this juice and this bread literally becomes the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ commanded us to do this as a celebration. The bread represents His body upon which He took all of our sins. The juice represents the blood that was shed for the remission and forgiveness of our sins. So if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you are turning away from your sin, come, come to the table and partake. Lord Jesus, on the night you were betrayed, you took bread. You gave thanks and broke it and said, Take ye and eat, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. Jesus you took all of our sins past, present and future upon your body and you said no one takes your life you give it freely we want to thank you Lord Jesus for the sacrifice that you gave for the salvation of our soul teach us Lord and remind us that you took that cross the cross that we should have carried. We should have died on that cross. But you died in our place. And we celebrate your goodness, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Let's partake together. Lord Jesus, in the same way, you, cup, you took the cup of wine and you said after giving thanks take and drink for that wine was symbolic of your blood that would be shed for without the shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness Lord Jesus we take this cup of juice as a reminder of the precious blood that you shed at Calvary. You had no sin, Lord Jesus. We were the sinners. But your blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you, Lord, that when God the Father sees us, He only sees the perfect and unblemished blood of His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for willingly going up to the cross to shed your blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And by your death, we can live. And we have an eternity to look forward to. We thank you, Lord Jesus.
We celebrate your life, your death, and your resurrection. Let's partake together. Jesus, we just want to thank you for the example that you gave. That even you yourself chose to be under the will of God the Father. You asked if we could remove that cup or if there be any other way to save us who are sinners. But you said to God the Father, Yet not my will, but your will be done. And because you went under the will of God the Father, we are alive by flesh and in your spirit. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. And thank you for the word that we can study, that we can preach, that we can use to encourage the people around us. Not to be over your word, but to be under your word, Lord. That we can experience grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy, and blessing upon blessing. We thank you, Lord God, for our time. May all the glory, the honor, and the praise go to you and to you alone. As we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. As we always do, uh, so while the message is fresh, we have some, uh, just two discussion questions. What is the, what importance that does God's Word have in your own family? And the second is, how can you encourage your family to depend on God and God's Word in times of trouble? So, if you're here visiting with us for the first time, we don't expect you, but we would encourage you to be here and spend some time with us. But we do understand, so you're free to go if you want to go. But those of us who are regulars over here, please go to your respective groups now, and we'll keep this uh, discussion questions up on the slides for you. So, have a blessed Sunday, over or under. It's up to you. God bless. Have a good day.